0: down, They continue to fight through three and four. William Byron looking for his first ever win in the NASCAR Cup series. A win, a secured spot in the playoffs. William Byron's gonna win. Welcome to the Full Tank with Phil podcast. If you are looking to talk NASCAR, talk gambling, all sorts of action there, you've come to the right place. This is the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And what you just heard there was William Byron dashing Jimmy Johnson's playoff hopes and also simultaneously ripping up our bet slips in the process that was how it finished at daytona but this episode we are going to take a look back at that race in a little bit more detail but then it's playoff time so we're gonna set our sights after the recap focusing on the southern 500 baby the first race of the playoffs i love how throwback weekend is kicking off the playoffs this year it's gonna be great so we're talking money line strategies to win the race Then, as always, we'll get into some top 10 picks. There's some sleepers out there. Are they uh, available for us? Take advantage of some of the odds out there. I think there's at least one that we could focus on. Then we're going to set our sights on the head-to-head section. We've got four new matchups to take a look at. We took a bath last week at Daytona, as we'll talk about. But I got some new ones. Lines just came out. They're fresh, hot off the press. And dive through them. Diving all in, trying to find winners, trying to find the right pick. So we're going to get into those in a little bit. And then finally, we're going to cap it off with uh, part one of a two-part series, I guess you could say, if we want to get real dramatic with it, about fantasy NASCAR overall. So this week's episode, we're going to be taking a look at the NASCAR Fantasy Live, the product that NASCAR Proper puts out. Their actual native app has a fantasy item to it. And we're going to take a look at that and how it's playing into the playoffs this year. So we'll get into that a little bit at the very end of this episode. So we're going to first though, as we said, look at Daytona. Byron's your winner. We said all last podcast, it's going to be a wonky winner. That's what we kept saying. Somebody different. It's not going to be one of the big guys, the the guys that are up top of the the odds board, the favorites. No, it's going to be coming from someone towards the, the back, a random dude. And it was William Byron. I mean, I didn't see that one coming. Um, I'll tell you what we had a great race going. If you followed the bets that we talked about last week, I had my bets. I had so many that, you know, in addition to the, the ones we called out that I had a piece of paper in front of me and I was watching the race, drinking some beers, following along just to make sure, you know, I was doing right through stage two we were cooking, baby. I mean, we were cruising. Now the problem was there weren't any wrecks to knock any of these guys out of the way. And then as soon as the big one came, there was actually two big ones. They really wiped us out pretty hard. I mean, our guys just could not avoid it. So through stage two, we were killing it. And then the wrecks just absolutely killed us. Then though, I mean, that was getting into the head-to-heads. You know, our head-to-head guys were completely wiped. The only head-to-head we won was Stenthouse versus Kurt Busch, and that's only because Stenhouse was scored ahead of Kurt Busch during the first big wreck. Uh, our other guys really didn't finish the race. We were way off with Chase Elliott. He finished second. We had Kyle Busch going against 10. That one really sucked. Uh, so our head-to-heads got wiped out. Whatever. You got to look ahead to this week. We'll, we'll do better. But the really disappointing thing for me was – the picks that we had to win the race we talked about boyer we talked about hamlin and blaney who was kind of just there hamlin was winning the race he was restarting up front and i don't know what it was but that last restart hamlin he was just like the the real life version of that spongebob meme like all right i'm gonna head out you know i'm i'm, I'm out of here i've done enough because he just dropped like a rock out of nowhere. Like, it was almost as if he wanted somebody else to to win the race. It was really strange, because having money on him, that's all you're looking at, is the guy that you have up front leading the race. Then, in addition to that, Clint Boyer. I mean, he was threatening to win that race, and all of a sudden, the camera cuts, and boom, he's into the wall on his own. Like, it was very strange. And Blaney, I mean, he didn't have much fight at all at the end, so really strange finish to the guys that we had called out. Um, it, really crazy that you know, we had in the head-to-head section called out Byron versus Jones, and I really felt strongly about that, and Jones was up front for a decent part of the race. Like we said, through two stages, we were, you know, pretty good, but at the end of the day, Byron pulls it out of his ass. Unbelievable finish, um, and and really just crazy. You know, the, the playoff cutoff race was perfect because They were all over the place, and we had kind of joked around and said NBC was going to have that graphic up nonstop, but Daytona's just a perfect ending to the regular season. You start the season, you end the season at Daytona, it just makes total sense, because those guys were all over the place, and, you know, hats off to to Byron. Johnson just could not get it done. I think part of me, I'm, I'm not really a Jimmy Johnson guy, I don't root for him on a daily basis, but I found myself, maybe it was the alcohol, rooting for him. And when he wrecked, you know, it was kind of, uh, kind of tough to see that his season, his last full-time season is kind of coming to an end now. But in any case, I thought the race was well done, even though we completely missed the board. I mean, this is really the first time all season that we've completely just goose egg, like swinging a miss all around. And it sucks, but all in all, it was still a fun race to watch and the bets helped that happen. So that was Daytona. It's in the rear view, good race, but now we got to focus on the playoffs because it's playoff time. That's what everybody has been waiting for all season. Now there's 10 races left and it's starting with one of the most historic tracks, the historic race, the Southern 500 throwback weekend. How could you not love this? So we got to take a look at Darlington. And in order to do that correctly, we got to first take a look at, like always, the Sean Boy track stats. Sean Boy, he's going to tell you that it's Labor Day weekend. Most people mail it in this weekend, but you may be somebody, you know, Thursday, Friday, even Saturday, work's just got you down. You're not able to just work through the minutiae of daily life. You need some help. Sean Boy is there to help you. He's there to bail you out with TPS reports, spreadsheets, Excel. doesn't matter what your struggles are. Sean Boy will be there to help you out. Sean Boy, he's our boy, so give him a call and make him your boy as well. Gotta love Sean Boy, gotta love these stats. And before we jump into, like, the races and the, the history here, we gotta just call out the fact that I can't remember in recent history a track that had three races in one season because we did have the Darlington doubleheader to come back from COVID to start this restarted season and now we're having the Southern 500. That was one of the big things back when they, you know, announced that they're going to be doing Darlington cuz South Carolina was one of the first states getting people going and everyone was saying, well, are one of these races, the Southern 500. I hope not. And NASCAR did the right thing. They threw those races together and now we still have our Southern 500. So three races in one year. That means a lot of good stuff for us as far as the date is concerned and it's good for the drivers too, because they have data that they can rely on and notes from those two races earlier this year that they can pull from and adjust. So it's good stuff for everybody involved here. Now, 118 races, lifetime at this racetrack for NASCAR, and the winner has started on the pole 20 times. And Kevin Harvick was the last time to win from the pole 2014. But before that, It was dale jarrett in 1997 so before harvick it was a little while back but 20 times you know pretty serviceable there now starting within the top five the winner has started there 70 times that's about 60 percent of the time and then starting the top 10 even more important 99 times the winner has started in the top 10. 85% of the time. So, track position, very important at this racetrack is what that's trying to say if you're threatening to win the race. Starting within the top 10 is almost critical. Starting outside of the top 20, the winner has started there only six times ever. The last time it happened was Regan Smith a little while back. So, that's 5% of the time. So pretty crazy numbers there. We don't have any playoff drivers starting outside of the top 20. That was the first thing that I looked at as soon as I saw how you know tough it is to do that. So manufacturer stats, we haven't had a Chevy winner since 2014 when Harvick was driving in the Chevys. So been a little while for Chevy, but we're going to call a guy out to win the race for one of each manufacturer. So we'll get to that in just a second. So Pretty good. First playoff, I mean, throwback weekend, you can't beat it. And it's another night race to boot. We've got this nice stretch of night races right in a row. All three of these first playoff races in this first round are night races. So these guys are going to have to get used to it if their teams are not adjusted to that yet. And, you know, as a viewer, I love it. Sit back with your beer and and hang tight and watch the race. Just to recap Daytona for a quick second, I wanted the race to go on further. And when I'm sitting back on a Saturday night watching the race, I want it to go on forever it feels like. But I digress. Let's talk strategy for Darlington this weekend because it's really tough. The odds came out and we've got two guys who are just head and shoulders heavy favorites and it makes total sense. It's Harvick and Hamlin. Those were the guys that won the two races earlier this year, the the doubleheader, if you want to call it that, to restart the season. And just like pretty much every other doubleheader we've had, it's been Harvick or Hamlin. So if you want to look at those guys, they're both going off at plus 300. And I think the strategy is you take chalk at least once. So that means that you're really choosing between one of those two big guns. All right. So if you have... We, we talk about this from time to time, but if you have a, a chunk of money that you're going to spend on a race weekend and you're allocating you know X amount towards just picking winners, I, in this case, I'm looking to choose one of the two big guys, Hamlin or Harvick, and laying double the amount I typically spend on a winner on one of these guys to make the value worth it for you. Then sprinkle some stuff in on some other guys further down because the benefit that you have as the gambler right now, when you see two guys that are heavy, heavy favorites like that, the other guys have really good odds and really strong drivers. So we're going to talk about a few of them here. But if you've got me looking at this right now, I'm going to choose. We're going to start with our money line picks and I'm going to make a decision right here, right now. I'm choosing Kevin Harvick over Denny Hamlin this weekend. Harvick is going to be my chalk pick, my pick to win the race. He's going off plus 300, like I said. He's co-favorite, but it's for a reason. I mean, these guys are the big guns here for a reason. And let's get into some stats for Kevin Harvick because his average finish is what really jumps out to me. When you're looking at comparing him to somebody like Hamlin, making yourself choose between the two, It's the average finish that really does it for me. So if you look at his lifetime average finish at Darlington, it's 13.4. But if you just focus on the last 10 races, as we typically do, it skyrockets to 5.0. Obviously, 5.0 average finish in the last 10 is first out of all active drivers. And in that time frame, he's got two wins, eight top fives, and nine top tens. That is just simply incredible. Now, if you want to compare that stat, that all-time average finish to the last 10 average finish for Denny Hamlin, it actually raises a little bit. All-time his average finish is 7.2, and in the last 10 races, it goes up to 7.6. So, That is what really jumped out to me. Now, I'm typically not a huge average finish guy. I mean, that's one of the statistics that I call out, but it's not something that I usually is my end all be all. But in that case, looking at what a significant jump that is, it it screams to me, hey, take me. On top of that, Harvick has just been the guy, but we'll get into that in a little second. If you want to take a look at just his last four races, he's got four top fives in a row in a row, top five. So you have that prop bet out there of, you know, will this guy finish in the top five? Yes or no. Harvick, I mean, he's going to be going off at like minus money for that one. So driver rating, if you want to look at that stat, he's going off as the third best driver in the field. 103.5 is his rating. That's pretty damn good. And he almost had a perfect driver rating back in 2014, that race where he won from the pole. Looking at laps led, he's the dominant guy there too, by far. He has the most laps led in the last 10 races, over 200 laps more than the next best guy. So really, really great. And we talked last week a little bit at Daytona about how points earned at a racetrack in the last 10 races really meant something. Well, if you're somebody who loved that stat, Harvick owns that one as well. He's by far 406 points earned in the last 10 races Unbelievable. That's like a full race up on the second place guy in that stat category. So, just historically, unbelievable numbers. And then, if you just want to look at 2020, two races here, first and third, just doesn't get any better than that. Even Hamlin, he had a first, but he had a fifth place finish. So, I mean, they're right on each other's heels. You can't go wrong choosing Hamlin. In this case, I mean, it really is one or the other. But in this case, for all of these reasons, pretending this is Shark Tank for a second here, for all of those reasons, I'm in on Kevin Harvick. So the value isn't there, but I'm going to stretch it out. I'm going to double down on him a little bit here. And the stats are there. That's what's really making me do it. He's starting eighth. So, you know, could have been worse. Starting within that top 10. We talked about how that matters. So... Plus 300, lock me in for the four car. Kevin Harvick, he's my chalk pick. Now, got a couple other guys here to get to. And I want to jump into Brad Keselowski going off at plus 1100. Brad has been just the third string guy. He's the outsider. Usually, season to season, we talk about like the big three, right? This year, it's really just been the big two. But Brad's been that, you know, guy hanging in on the outside. He's the fringe guy because he's so close to being upper echelon this year but just hasn't been able to break through he he pokes his head up every now and then and then dwindles back down you know hangs out for a little bit so he's starting fifth so top five start for the two car looking at his last 10 races one win four top fives five top tens and in his 2020 season this racetrack he had a 13th and a fourth so not bad not great But one thing that I looked into, and I'm going to call this stat out multiple times throughout this podcast, but I wanted to see how, if there were any consistencies for drivers, you know, finishing in both races with some good finishes. So he's one of only nine drivers to finish in the top 15 for both races earlier this year. That's pretty good, you know. Average finish for Brad is seventh out of all active drivers. It's 11.3. So you're going to hear me call the average finish out a lot. On this podcast, because I was doing a lot of research for this one, and 11.3 is damn good. There's a lot of bad average finishes out there of of big name drivers. So, three top fives in his last four races. So, that 13th place finish he had to start the season back up again early this year, 2020, that was his only finish outside of the top five in the last four races. His driver rating is fifth out of all active drivers, 99.9. So, pretty good there. He has a pattern. I love patterns. Looking at his statistics at this racetrack, since 2014, each time he finishes outside the top 10, he has back-to-back top five finishes, including a win during one of those stretches. So he finished outside the top 10 to restart the season, 13th. He backed it back up with a fourth, he's due for another top five finish if that pattern were continuing. So love that. He's third out of all active drivers in laps led in the last 10 races and just really good stuff. Third in points in the last 10 as well. The value is huge for this one. That's what really snags you. Plus 1100. It's like I said, the benefit of having two guys that are just dominant on the chalk, you're going to get some good stuff for these other guys. And Brad is someone that could easily win a race here to start the playoffs off. So good stuff here. I think his value is perfect for the strengths that he's had this year and at this racetrack in the past. So mark me down for the two plus 1,100. Now we've got another guy who probably should be going off at plus 1,100, maybe a little higher than that, but they have him at plus 1,000 and it's Chase Elliott. Yeah, Chase. He's a Chevy driver. Last time Chevy won 2014, but that time... Harvick started on the pole. And where is Chase starting this weekend? He's starting from the pole. Chase only been here seven times, but it's okay. Two top fives, three top tens. In 2020, he has a fourth place finish in that first race back. And the second race, he had a 38th place finish where he was leading 28 laps and then punted by Kyle Busch. It was a big deal. Kyle had to get on and apologize right after you know, that was a, a big controversy because Chase was having a phenomenal race. And the fact of the matter was, Kyle was in the wrong there. And the 38th place finish, if you just look at that on paper, you're going to say, wow, well, you know, rough there for Chase. But he was owning that race. I mean, he was very much in contention for the win there against Denny. And he just got punted. He got, it was a bad bad move by the 18. So you can't. You know obviously 38 yeah bad number bad finish and that's what matters but i'm gonna look at more of the the holistic view of that race and say that chase in 2020 with a fourth place finish and then getting punted he knows his way around this joint and i like it at plus 1000 so the thing about it is though his overall stats aren't phenomenal that's why i'm saying you know plus 1000 is a little little uh low for me but we still take it because I think they're giving him some some extra juice there because he's starting on the pole. So when you're looking at Chase's numbers compared to other drivers in the field, he's not, you know, in the top 10 for driver rating or average finish. I mean, driver rating, he's 12th, 87.8. Average finish, he's 16th, 18.3. So this is strictly a value pick Based on his 2020 performance, that's really all this is. And, you know, with the the Chevy thing in 2014, you could kind of feel it. Chase is someone that, you know, we talk about Brad just being on the outside looking in. Chase is someone that should be there, but isn't. And I think he could really pull himself into that championship hunt if he were to go out and just win a race to start the playoffs. That would be huge. So 10 to 1, I like the 9 car. Now, I'm going to throw in a bonus pick because I could not resist this guy. This season, I've been really just doing three picks on the money line, but I couldn't resist this guy. Kyle Busch, plus 1,100. I mean, I can't resist him because he's jumping off the page when it comes to his stats. He's a big-time stat leader here. All right, in his last 10, no wins but four top fives, eight top 10s. In 2020, he had a 26th-place finish and a second. All right, he's second in laps led. He's got three top fives in his last five races and he does have a win here he won in 2008 which was his first win ever sorry first start here with joe gibbs racing so long time ago it feels like but he does have a victory at this track his driver ratings fourth out of everyone, 102.9 and when we're talking about average finish he also improves much like kyle or excuse me much like kevin harvick He has an all-time average finish here of 11.4, but it jumps up to 7.4 in his last 10 races, which is good enough for third out of everybody on the circuit. So, Kyle, we've talked about him. Media's talked about him a million times. This is a rut buster for him. I think he's going to have an opportunity late in this race to snag a victory and just shut up all the haters, which you know he would take great pleasure in. So I couldn't just jump out of this money line section without calling him out. I was thinking about it, but he was just jumping off the page, and I didn't have a Toyota guy to throw in here, so wanted to do that. Kyle Busch, plus 1,100. So to recap, that was just a quick toss in there, but I, I do like him. So to recap the, the four picks this week, Kevin Harvick, I'm doubling down on my money for him. He's the, the favorite, plus 300. Brad Kozlowski plus 1100. Chase 10 to 1 plus 1000. And Kyle Bush also plus 1100. Lock them in, baby. I'm I'm going all in for these guys this weekend. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Let's go racing, you bunch of hot dogs. Let's take a look at some prop bets. And we're going to start with some top 10 selections, three of them to be exact. And I had somebody ask me, you know, how, how come you take a look at some of these guys who are a little bit further down, they're more of a risk. And that's because when I'm talking about top 10s, I don't like shelling out a bunch of money just to make a little bit on betting, you know, on Kyle Bush or Denny Hamlin or these big guns to finish in the top 10. It's just not worth the bang for your buck. I like looking for some value picks, the guys that, you know, you're getting money on and really paying attention to them because they're kind of in the back of the pack working their way up. That's what I like to do with these top tens. So this week I've got, you know, one favorite, one kind of in the middle and then more of a, a longer shot. So let's start by our top 10 king, Eric Almarola, because we were riding him pretty hard earlier this year when he was on that streak. He had like 10 in a row. It was phenomenal. And he hasn't had a few in a little while. Okay, it's been a couple weeks, but he's going off at minus 106 to finish in the top 10 at Darlington. Does that make sense? No, I think he should be probably realistically going off at like plus 125. But I think his season has been pretty solid and he's a playoff driver. So they're going to have that on him. So one top 10 finish here at Darlington in his last 10 races. That came though. So you hear that and you're like, wow, you know, why would I ever do this? But that top 10 finish Came in the second race this year. So Darlington 2 back in May or wherever we, we restarted this. And it was a seventh place finish. The other Darlington start this year in 2020, he had a 12th. So he's one of those nine drivers to finish in the top 15 in both races. So that's perfect, right? That tells you that he's right in that camp. That 7 to 12 range is what you're kind of hoping for when you're betting on this uh, this guy to finish in the top 10, because that's going to make it really interesting for you. And, you know, he's not going to be out of the race super early. So I like it. He just signed a new deal. He's back next year in this car. So he signed through 2021. That takes a little bit of pressure off of him. He's in the playoff hunt. And and real quick, I, I don't know why these guys sign like one year deals, right? Because now he was stressing all this year about where he's going to drive next year. Now he's basically just re-upped until like Christmas time. And then he's going to have to start worrying about it again. I don't understand that. But he could go through the playoffs not having to worry about it. And I think that if you're that 10 team, you're not a team that is going to just win a bunch of races and, you know, fall behind and snag a win to kind of, you know, jump the group and and snatch a, a way into the next round. No. Your strategy is going to be what got you here. And that is just top tenning the shit out of everyone. And so that's why I like this bet the most. It's because they've done it all year. And if they have any hopes and dreams of making it a few rounds into this playoffs, they're going to need to knock out a bunch of top 10s. And it starts here at Darlington. I love it. He's starting 10th, so he doesn't really have to move. Just stay put. You know what I mean? And he's going to lock us in that minus 106 for that bet slip. So Eric Gamarola, we're getting back on that train. And I really do think that he will be in the hunt for most of that race and he'll cash in for us. Now, the next guy, kind of the middle ground type of guy, but the name might surprise you. It's Tyler Reddick. He's going off at plus 130. He's a rookie. All right. He already lost the rookie of the year race which is bullshit. just because cole custer has a win and he's in the playoffs he automatically wins the rookie of the year race i don't like that because i think tyler reddick has had a more consistent season but it started at darlington during the restart so two starts here lifetime they both came this year and he had a seventh and a 13th so average finish if you can do the math any math whizzes out there 10th <laughs> that's where we need him to finish is 10th so He has better odds to win the race than two playoff drivers, all right? That tells you that the books know that this guy's pretty good. And, you know, this really started his run of good finishes earlier on this year. He was one of those nine guys who finished in the top 15, both races. So with the rookies, you typically look at some of their past history in the Xfinity series, and he has two of three races he finished in the top five. They were second-place finish and a third-place finish. So good stuff all around. I think the books kind of know that he is really a, a, a guy who likes this racetrack, but they're still giving us plus 130. So I like it. And I'm also going to probably throw him into my daily fantasy lineup as well, which I'll touch on at the end of this section. But I'm liking Redick in the eight car plus 130. Lock it in. Now, last top 10 pick I'm going to call out here is Austin Dillon. We took him last week at Daytona for a million different reasons. And he was caught up in one of the big ones. But this week, he's in the playoffs, all right? He's, he's part of that hunt. He's going through the media junket and everything like that, plus 215 to finish in the top 10 here. So looking at his eight races at Darlington, he has one top five finish and two top 10s. So 25% of the time, he's getting us what we need, all right? Now, in 2020, he had an 11th-place finish and a 20th-place finish. That 20th, eh, not loving that, but an eleven. You know, that's Tony's right there. And then last year, 2019, he finished 10th. His average finish is ninth out of all active drivers here. That's the thing that stood out to me here. And it's 13.2. So the average finish overall, collectively, is not great for these drivers. And and 13.2 is good enough for ninth. Now, he has a a similar playoff strategy as the 10 car. I mean, they know that they kind of snuck their way in winning that race at Texas earlier this year. So I don't think that they're going to be able to do that again. I, I think that was kind of a flash in the pan type of thing. So they can look and see these stats compared to how they are against these other guys and say, wow, you know what? We're ninth out of everyone as far as active finish is concerned. Sorry, average finish is concerned. That's pretty good. You know, our driver ratings not bad compared to everyone. This is a racetrack where we can point well. And, you know, they just got to beat four other guys that are in the playoffs. So this is a big race for them. They really need to get off to a good start because they're going to be down low on that playoff list. So Austin Dillon plus 215, a little bit more of a risk. But if he were to cash in and everything were to work out for him, that's a good payday for us. So I really like that. So the top 10s, Almarola minus 106, Redick plus 130, and Austin Dillon plus 215. Love those. Some true props, a little tough this week, odd or even, all right? The odd is going off as the big-time underdog here, plus 130, which doesn't make sense to me because if you look at the top four drivers as far as the favorites are concerned, according to the sports books, three of them are odd-numbered drivers, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex, and Denny Hamlin, so I'm taking the odd on this one. I mean, plus 130, you're giving me the value there. I love that all day. Now, the tough question really comes in with the over-under, because the over-under this week is 11.5, and the under is a big-time favorite, minus 177. I usually take the unders on these, but it's going to be really tough to give up that. So to me, this is really kind of a, a no bet, or you just lay some money down for the over because, you know, we called out somebody like Kyle Bush. We haven't talked about Truex, but I will in a second. He's somebody that would get you that if he were to win. Uh, but those are really the only guys outside from like Eric Jones, if you want like a total wild card win, those are really the only guys that I could see cashing in for us there. But regardless, you know, like I said, kind of a no bet or little bit of money on the, the over. It, it, minus it 177. I, I just don't like it for that type of a prop bet. I wish they would just lower the the over-under to maybe 10.5 to really uh, skew that a little bit. So maybe they will as the week goes on, and I'll be on that. Now, just to finish off this section, I wanted to call out our daily fantasy roster. Not loving it, but I threw it together because my, my thought process here was, you know, try to get as much big guns as possible I'm taking Harvick, $10,900. He's the, the second highest expensive driver. Hamlin is the first with well over $11,000 value. So we're trying to avoid that. I was thinking I was going to take Hamlin just to kind of like, you know, offset my picks here. But Hamlin was just too pricey. Then I'm going with Truex. He's got good numbers here. He's going off as the fourth favorite. Um, we're not going to get into his numbers specifically, but his price on DraftKings Daily Fantasy is Now compare that to Eric Jones, who I thought, this is probably why I'm not really loving my roster. It's because I thought I was going to be, you know, Mr. Big Shot and know what nobody else knows, that Eric Jones is damn good at this racetrack, but DraftKings Daily Fantasy has him going off higher than Truex. $9,600 is what he costs. I still took him to try to put together this roster because I just love his stats. He was one of four drivers to start the the season back in May that had top 10 finishes at Darlington in both races. Truex was one of the others, as well as Hamlin and Harvick. So that's damn good company for the young guy who doesn't have a job currently. So big race for him. I'm just shocked that he's going off for more money than somebody like Truex. So Kind of screwed up my, my plan here, but I went with it anyway, so Jones is in there as well. Matt DiBenedetto, we're going to talk about in a second. He's going off at $7,400. I like that, just based on you know, what we're going to talk about in a little bit. Tyler Reddick at $7,000, really good stats. I mean, I, I like what we saw out of him earlier this year. We just talked about how we liked him for the top 10, so 7000 is a really good number. Now, when you throw a bunch of big guns in there that are really expensive, you're going to be left with kind of shit. And I had $5,700 left to spend. And I snagged Chris Busher. Why? Because Busher's average finish was 19.3. And that's right in the mix of some of these other like big names. So I was like, yeah, you know what? Let's do it. I didn't dive too deep into his stats because I probably would have been scared off and, and rethought the whole thing. And I may, you know, rework it a little bit, but um, that's the roster. Harvick, Truex, Jones, Matty D, Tyler Reddick, and Chris Busher for the Daily Fantasy lineup. I love it. So that'll end out the props section this week. Vegas, baby! Vegas! All right, so I'm excited about this one. This is the head-to-head section. We've been kind of brutal here recently. We need to get better. You know what I mean? You have to first know that there's a problem and acknowledge it in order to fix it. And so we're going to start fixing it because it's, we call it a new season, right? Playoffs are starting up. It's a new season, so to speak. So we got four head-to-head matchups this week. We're trying to avoid talking about some of the guys we've already talked about. So, you know, if there's somebody that is in a head-to-head that the books have put out just recently, Um, then we're going to avoid that matchup to talk about. So we're breaking down four matchups, but the first one does have one guy in there, and it's Eric Almirola versus Alex Bowman. So very decent matchup here by the books. They're really throwing a bit of a wrench at us here because these are two guys that I would say are in the mud. You know what I mean? They're in the thick of that playoff hunt because every race for these types of guys could send you up or down in that top 16 list. You don't want to be bottom four. And a race like this for these guys that ends up badly could put them in the bottom four. So it's a good matchup. We talked about Roll already when we talked about the top 10 section. He has that one top 10. It was seventh last race. His average finish, 17.6. That's 15th out of everyone racing this weekend. His driver rating is 18th, which is 72.7. So You know, not good, not great. If you look at Alex Bowman, he only has six races here lifetime. All right, two of them coming this year. And out of those six races, he has one top five finish to show for them. But it was a second-place finish in the first race in 2020 here in Darlington. So not bad because it's telling you, even though he doesn't have much to show for his efforts here, second-place finish, it's recent. So he has something to pull from. Now, his average finish is 19.0, which kind of funny because it's 19th compared to everybody else going in the field on Sunday. So that's kind of weird. And then 16th out of everyone is his driver rating. It's 76.0. So again, not great. So other than that second place finish really doesn't have much to show for it. And they're head to head matchups. All right. So when I see two drivers, both kind of in the mud, Not really bringing much to the table as far as like historic stats. I need to look and see how they've done versus each other at the racetrack. And they've split at 2020 one and one. They both had a a decent finish and, you know, less outside the top 10 finish for each of them. So in six races where they've been in the race together, Almirola has the 4-2 lead. I really am doubling down on Almirola this weekend. I'm taking him in this matchup over Alex Bowman. As well as the the top ten bet, I just think that this has him written all over it. Maybe I'm way off on that one, but Alex Bowman is not somebody who's jumping off the page to me and saying, "Hey, take me, take me." In any sense, so Almirola is my pick in this matchup. They're both going off at minus one fifteen, so give me the ten car in this one. Next matchup, a little bit of a lopsided one. Penske teammates. We don't see this matchup every single week, but when we do, it's it's pretty interesting. Uh, Joey Logano taking on Ryan Blaney. Now, Logano is going off as the favorite minus 134 to Blaney's plus 100. And when I see that in a head-to-head matchup, it gets my antennas up. Like, what's going on there? Can I take the underdog? Because I love getting values there. And wanted to dive into the details here. So, Joey Logano, in 10 races, he has three top fives, five top tens. Pretty solid. He's 10th. As far as average finish goes in that time span, 13.4. And for driver rating, he's eighth out of all active drivers. 89.6 is his number there. So pretty solid stats for the 22 car. In 2020, he finished 18th, and then in the second race, the most recent one, sixth, where he led 19 laps. So all good stuff that I'm seeing from Joey Logano, it's really saying, okay, you know, maybe he's the favorite here for a reason, but I wanted to really look at Blaney because He's having a solid season. He's kind of flying below the radar. Maybe he could steal us a win here and and get some value, but his numbers historically are not great. His best finish ever out of seven starts is 13th. His average finish is 19.9. Not great. Driver rating out of all active drivers is 19th. 72.5 is that number. So this wasn't a case where We're looking at someone and they have a poor average finish, but maybe their driver rating tells us another story because that takes the the whole picture into play. In this case, it does not save him. So, head to head this year, though, if you're somebody, if you're a Blaney fan looking for a reason, head to head this year, Logano versus Blaney. Blaney has the 14 12 advantage over Logano at Darlington this year, even though. Blaney has some poor numbers. He still split the series so far, 1-1, which, you know, it's pretty interesting. But in the seven races that they've both been racing together, Logano has a 5-2 lead. That's pretty impressive. So I don't see enough for me to take the underdog in this matchup. I'm going to go with Joey Logano in the 22 car. Joey's another one that I think could kind of jump up and snag a win. I mean, I've been saying that all year since they restarted the season and just really hasn't worked out for me. But he still is. I mean, he's somebody that could do it. Not saying Blaney isn't. It just doesn't seem like that's the case this weekend because his numbers just aren't there. So Logano minus 134 is the pick for this one. Now, what do you hear this matchup? The books, I'll tell you what. For a while I didn't think the books were really paying attention to NASCAR. I thought it was just like one guy named Steve just like in a deep deep basement somewhere just throwing shit at a wall. But they're paying attention. I'll give them I'll give them some credit because this matchup that they put out is Jimmy Johnson versus William Byron. Those sick bastards putting these two against each other making us choose. It's just not right. So last week they had a crazy battle for the playoffs. Clearly Byron won. He won the race, knocked out Johnson, And that's all she wrote for Johnson's season. But we got to look at this head-to-head matchup. It's just too good to pass up. So we want to dive into the stats here. William Byron only has four starts at this track, two of them this year. And his best finish is 12th, which happened to be the last race here. So the second one this year. But other than that, his stats are pretty bad. His average finish, at least, is dismal. 25.8 is his average finish. Now, this is a case where the driver rating sort of saves him because as bad as that average finish is, his driver rating's 14th out of all active drivers, 78.7. So that's pretty good compared to other drivers. You know, it's telling you that he's he's putting decent races together, but just not getting those finishes. So he wrecked in the first race, you know, finished... Uh, not on the lead lap, but solid race number two at Darlington this year for Byron. So something to hang his hat on, something to you know roll with momentum. They've got the momentum from the win. They've got some momentum from the last time they raced. So pretty solid. Now let's look at Johnson. I mean, he's got the stats. All right, he's got them. One win, three top fives, four top tens in his last ten races. His average finish seventeen point three, not great, but his driver rating seventh out of all drivers. So like seven spots higher than Byron in that one, 95.3, really good. But, you know, those are those are all stats. But, you know, the finger's up there. I have to just call out the fact that he doesn't have any top 10s other than race two this year, in the, the second race at Darlington. Other than that, he doesn't have a top 10 finish at Darlington since 2014. So are these stats, which are pretty solid, really relevant compared to William Byron. Because Byron, the last time Jimmy had a top 10, Byron wasn't even in the race. So that's pretty interesting. Now, they do have starting positions that are just way off from each other. Byron starting third this week. Johnson starting 22nd. That's huge. Huge. When we're talking about a head-to-head matchup, because Johnson's going to have to work really hard just to get up in the vicinity of Byron. Going to have to get off cycle or something and, and do some creative stuff. And the other thing is, even with Johnson having some better stats, they still split in the four races they were together 2-2. So this really comes down to how you feel Jimmy Johnson is going to react this week. You know, is he going to crawl up into a a ball and die, go away, kind of ride off into the sunset? Or is he going to respond like the Jimmy Johnson that we're all used to, right? He's knocked out of the playoffs, you know, tough deal, right? No one's gonna be happy about that if you're them. But the 48's gotta respond. Will they do it? This is a perfect way to use like this as a barometer. Are they gonna, you know, fire back and beat the guy that knocked them out, William Byron? I don't think so. I'm going with Byron in this matchup. I just simply feel like, you know, with the whole Hendrick camp riding Jimmy Johnson schemes for the throwback weekend. It just feels like too much pandering for me. You know, we're going to see all these guys riding around and then you'll see the 48 in the wallet. That's what, I just get that vibe, right? I could be wrong, but I'm going with Byron in this matchup. I just don't think the 48 team is going to be able to rebound. Finally, we'll go with Matt DiBenedetto taking on Clint Boyer. This is another phenomenal matchup that the books have put out there. Both these guys were awesome today on the the media tour that they were doing. Everybody was doing stuff from their houses. And these two were two of the most entertaining guys, if you were paying attention to that. This is also interesting because the season series between these two is tied dead even, 13 to 13 a piece. Very interesting there. So neither of them really are great but let's take a look. So we'll start with Clint Boyer in his last 10 races. He has one top 10 finish. It was a sixth place finish in 2019. Other than that, not great. His average finish is 19.4. This year, his two finishes earlier this year in 2020, 17th and 22nd. So not somebody that is recently good here, especially, you know, taking advantage of the back-to-back races this year. Now, he did lead 71 laps in race two, but just didn't get a good finish out of it. So, you know, you have to call that out there. 71 laps is a lot. So could be worth putting your money down. These guys are going off, by the way, minus 115 apiece. Uh, So even money here. Looking at Matt DiBenedetto, seven races lifetime. He has two top 10 finishes. And those both came race two this year, where he finished ninth. And last year, 2019, eighth place finish. So really getting better as we go here. And he is one of the nine guys to finish in the top 15 in both races so far this year. So we love these guys. We're calling them out. That's really the reason I threw him into my daily fantasy lineup was because of that. It's telling me that compared to these other drivers, he's someone who kind of has a sense of Darlington. His average finish is 21st. Not great. You know, but that's kind of because he was in some bad gear, bad cars, before he made his way to the 95 and now the 21. So my pick, head-to-head, I mean, these two guys are going to be battling bottom four. This is like bottom four matchup here for the playoffs. They're really going to be fighting hard. I like Matt DiBenedetto in the 21 car this week over Boyer in the 14 lock it in. So just a recap, and we'll throw it into a parlay and see if it sticks. Eric Almirola minus 115 over Alex Bowman. Joey Logano minus 134 over Blaney. William Byron minus 115 over Johnson. And Matt DiBenedetto minus 115 over Clint Boyer. Let's go. All right. So to end it this week on the Phil's fired up section, we're going to be talking about part one of our fantasy NASCAR conversation, because there's a a few different ways to play fantasy NASCAR that I know of. And aside from like the daily fantasy, like gambling aspect that we talk about week to week, but we're going to start by one that nascar offers and it's nascar fantasy live and we're going to break that down just kind of describe that briefly for anyone who's not familiar and then talk about what they have going on right now for the playoffs and the southern 500 this week so this is a type of fantasy that if i have to choose it's not my favorite the way this one works is you enter a league or you could just play like general population and week by week You put together a list of five drivers, and they could be any five drivers that you possibly want. The only caveat there is you only get a certain amount of uses for those drivers, or starts, as they say, throughout the year. So you can only have the same driver starting in your lineup 10 times max, which, you know, makes you play around with your lineup from week to week, and, you know really makes you think. Now, the thing here that is tough is you also have to select a stage one winner, stage two, winner of the race, and the winning manufacturer. And that is really where the points need to come up big. You need to do well in those in order to score well here, because I feel like I've done well with picking my five drivers, but I've just missed the stage one, two, and the the winner. the manufacturer and it really costs you when you're looking at the cumulative thing and what happens is it's a lot like old school nascar scoring where you just accumulate points all year long and that's it and if you get in a little bit of a hole or you forget to put a lineup in or whatever it's really tough to make up but it is interesting it's just another thing to kind of play around with when you're bored but I don't like it for the fact that, you know, I don't like messing around with my usages. I don't like the week by week, you know, stage one, stage two stuff. And I don't like the point system where, you know, like right now, I feel like I've had a pretty good year. I'm in one of the Sirius XM radio leagues and I'm in the top half of the league, but I'm still like 900 points back, like no chance. Now, I'm bringing this up now because they've sort of spiced it up a little bit for the playoffs. So what that means is they I go in to take a look at it today and they've got a big sign up on the app and it says you could win $10,000 if your roster at Darlington this weekend is the top roster out of everyone that's playing. 10 grand. They're going to give it out. And I went into the prize instructions and everything like that. They're serious. 10 grand to the top guy which is pretty cool. And then they're saying for the playoffs or 10 races, the team that has the best overall score for those races will have another $10,000 check coming their way, which is also pretty cool. So that's something that gets me really back into this conversation because I was so far out of winning that league that I'm in. So now I'm really interested. So looking at setting my lineup for this week, I'm saying, Hey, 10 grand on the line. Let's go all out. Now, you only get to start a playoff driver 5 times in this 10-race span. So that's a little, you know, little caveat there you need to worry about, but this week I don't give a shit. I'm going all out. So my lineup for Darlington for Fast Fantasy NASCAR Live on NASCAR's native app, it's Denny Hamlin, Brad Keselowski, Kevin Harvick, Chase Elliott, and Martin Truex Jr. Big gun central. And who do I have in my garage? Kyle Busch. So I'm not pulling any punches here. I'm going all in. I want that 10 grand, baby. Give it to me. And the stage one, two winner and manufacturer, I'm taking Denny Hamlin to win both stage one and two because he's a stage king. And then I'm saying Kevin Harvick's going to snag the win out from under him and Ford would then be the winning manufacturer. And we're going to get all those bonus points. So why the hell wouldn't even if you haven't played this all year, why wouldn't you take a shot at Darlington? I'm hoping that they kind of do this a couple more times, maybe at Talladega or, you know, a couple of the big races. Do it a couple more times to really get some more interest, but I'm also re-energized about it because of the, the overall playoff thing. Not that I have any chance to win because there's so many people that play this stuff, but it does make it a little bit more fun. If you get off to a couple hot starts here, two races in a row, maybe you're in the hunt. Who knows? So, Darlington, though, just go all big guns and see what happens. If it works out for you, you'll be $10,000 richer. So the reason I don't like this, though, I mean, I've called out a few other things, is just the the app itself, right? So the the structure of the game, you can kind of debate that because I'm sure there's people that love that stuff. But I'm actually someone who's a big critic of the NASCAR app in general. I think it's, for the most part, You know, they leave a lot on the table as far as creativity and innovation there. And the fantasy aspect of it is also really subpar. So I feel like if they could get that going, make the the UI app a little bit better, easier to use, more fun, then that might make the game a little bit more fun. But overall, compared to, you know, maybe the daily fantasy stuff on DraftKings or a true fantasy league little uh, teaser for next week we're gonna have an interview with cousin Greg a lot of people's favorite guests of the show we're gonna talk in the Phils fired up section about our fantasy league that we have and and why me personally I like it a little bit better than this stuff but this is easy to use for the most part you know I know that it was criticizing the app but easy to jump in sign up and play if you're just hearing about it now nothing's really stopping you so there's that and you know it's open to everybody so there's no restrictions there. You don't need to get like eight guys in your league or anything like that. Like it's fantasy football. You can you know sign up to join any league you want or just play in the general population. So that's the, the breakdown of fantasy NASCAR live. Got a big thing going on for Darlington. So I would recommend if you want in on that, go ahead, download that and put your lineup together. I'm going all chalk. So maybe you have a different take on it, but if you do, let me know and uh, we'll see who finishes better. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode of Full Tank with Phil. Go ahead and get your picks out there. Make sure you give us a follow on Instagram at Full Tank Phil in case we send out any updated picks as this Labor Day weekend moves forward. So we'll cash in, we'll set ourselves up for the rest of the playoffs, and we're going to have a good rest of the season. Remember, drive fast, take chances. And we'll see you next time.